We have been exploring some of the parables of Jesus in the Gospels, and over the last several that we've looked at, we've gotten a, a look, a glimpse at God's heart. That's the beauty of, of the, and the power of stories, is it shows us a reality that's deeper than what we can just see on the surface. And whereas many of the parables show us what God is like, this particular peril, parable is one where Jesus is opening up and showing us our own heart. Now, I don't know about you, but when Jesus does things like that, it tends to be uncomfortable for me um, because I realize if I'm to listen to what he's saying, it may be somewhat painful. It may be difficult, but in the end, it will be more than worth it. So what I want to ask each of us to do today is simply to, to pray to the Lord and say, Lord, as we hear your word would you show me my own heart? Show me the areas of my heart that you need to do a work in because I want to know you better. I want to love you more. I want to share your love with others around me. And Lord, I want to follow Jesus. In fact, I want my heart to look like his heart. That's the purpose of this parable. A parable is an is a horizontal earthly story that is designed to reveal a vertical, eternal, and spiritual truth. And that's exactly what Jesus does here in this story. He begins with the words, a sower, or maybe you would say a farmer. A farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, I grew up in uh, an agricultural community. If you would walk out the back door of my house and go about 35 meters, the fields would start. So all of my childhood, all my adventures were in cornfields and soybean fields and every other kind of field that you can imagine. It was growing all around my house. So this is a very familiar territory for me because I, I spent my time in the dirt of the fields playing everything that you can do as a boy with all my friends. So we did more things in cornfields than any kid should do, but that's, that's the, where I grew up. Well, here in the parable, he's giving us some illustrations. And, and what's beautiful about this parable is Jesus doesn't leave us with any doubt as to the meaning. He explains the meaning of the parable very, uh, very powerfully. But what we need to see in this is that the seed across all four different types of soil is the same. So is the sower who distributes the seed. He spreads it across all different types of soil. And so the focus ultimately is on the soil. What's the ground like that's receiving the seed? Because the seed, he tells us here in the scripture, is the word of the kingdom, or as it's revealed in Mark and Luke's account, the seed is the word of God. And so it's ultimately we're asking, how is my heart going to respond to God's word? What's going to happen when I hear it? And am I going to be like the seed that lands along the path where it's packed down and hard? Am I going to be like the seed in the thorns? Or am I going to be like the good soil that brings forth a harvest? Now, sometimes people look at this parable and they, they only see it in one dimension. 
They see it in response to the good news of salvation about Jesus Christ and how we respond. And that is certainly a very applicable aspect, but it is not the only aspect. This is something we need to continually look at because we need to hear the good news, the gospel. We need to respond to God's word every single day of our life and every moment. And so that's where we want God to look at our hearts. Show me where I am right now and help me to listen to your word. So we begin with the question, what is the condition of my heart? If I'm like one of these soils or a combination of these soils, which is sometimes the case, what does my heart look like? From God's perspective, his design for your life and my life is to be fruitful. Fruit reveals the condition of our heart, and our lives are to serve him and to serve others. Uh, my friend uh, Dan Stein, who most of you know here, is one of our elders, sent me an article this week, and I want to read an excerpt out of it. It was written by a, a non-believer, and it covered a lot of different things, but he makes some really powerful points that I had to sit back and go, man, that is so true and so hard to hear. Here's what this individual said. Here's what everyone needs to know and what many of you can't accept. You are nothing but the fruit. Nobody cares about your dirt. Who you are inside is meaningless aside from what it produces for other people. Now listen to what he says next. Don't you have that annoying Christian friend whose only offer to help anyone ever is to pray for them? Doesn't it drive you nuts? I'm not even commenting on whether or not prayer works. It doesn't change the fact that they choose the one type of help that doesn't require them to get off the sofa. They abstain from every vice. They think clean thoughts. Their internal dirt is as pure as can be, but what fruit grows from it? And they know, excuse me, and they should know this better than anyone. I stole the fruit metaphor from the Bible. Jesus said something to the effect of a tree is judged by its fruit over and over and over. It's a reminder that the people in our lives around us are looking for fruit, just as God is. He wants to see if what we say reflects what we do. It's a good reminder we are our fruit. And that is what other people will see. The best way, at least the first way that we mean to make sure that we communicate the gospel is that we put our love and our faith into action. Yes, we need to tell them the truth, and yes, we need to pray for them, but we also need to get off of the sofa and serve them. Otherwise, our message is meaningless. Jesus said it this way in John 15, 8. This is what he's referring to, um, though he may not know where the passage came from. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now, only good soil bears good fruit. So as we look at our heart, we need to see, is there fruit coming forth? And, and by that we mean does our life display the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Is my life show the fruit of praise and thanksgiving to God? Or do I show more often the fruit of grumbling and complaining? Do I show a fruit of growing in love for Christ and love for others? Am I loving my, my spouse as Christ loves them? Am I loving my children, my family, my neighbors as God loves them? What's the condition of my heart? With that in mind, we look here at the different soils that Jesus mentions in Matthew chapter 13, and, it, and we begin with the, the soil of the path, which is just packed down from people walking on it. In Galilee, at, that, at the, the time when Jesus is writing it, it was very much an agricultural land, and there were fields everywhere. And, and just like you would, you would have in any town or village, you had paths where people would regularly walk to get from one place to another. And so it would become packed down and very, very hard. And that's the seed he's talking about, that it falls upon ground that feels like stone. It's so hard. He says this in verses 18 and 19. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom or the word of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what is sown along the path. Now, I want you to notice that there's two things at work here. There's an inward or an inner condition, which is reflected by the soil, and then there's an outward influence or exposure, a thing that we're vulnerable to. And both of them come into play. When our heart is hard, we are much more likely to be prey to the enemy coming and stealing God's word from our heart and from our minds. It won't have a chance to produce the fruit that it's designed to do in our life. When our heart is hard, we become a target for the enemy. In Judaism, birds often symbolize satanic activity. And they were also the symbols of robbers, especially ravens or crows. Just as the Holy Spirit would be pictured as a gentle dove, it was also natural for them to depict the actions of evil spirits with birds. Hardness of heart comes from ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit. If I'm disobedient in one area of my life, my heart will begin to harden, just like the hardening of the arteries that happens when we get too much cholesterol in our bodies physically. When I'm disobedient to the voice of God's word, my heart will begin to go callous and die. And what happens is when my heart is hard, it gives an opportunity to the, for the enemy to steal even more out of my life. This is what Jesus told his disciples. This is how he warned them about this very thing after his resurrection. He's risen from the grave. The stories of, um, of his resurrection have gone around, and yet it's still really, really hard for people to believe. He says this in Mark 16, 14. Afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves, this is the disciples, as they were reclining at the table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. If we refuse to believe what God says, our hearts will harden. You see, it's all about our faith. 
if we have a tough time believing, if we stay stubborn in, in not trusting and not obeying God, the natural result is that your heart and my heart will get hard. So are there areas of your life where there's disobedience? Are there areas of your life where you just have a tough time believing God really means what he says? If so, that reveals an area of our heart that's getting hard. And if we allow it to continue in its state, it will get harder, and even the things that we do believe will get more difficult because the enemy will seek to pull out of us truth. A hardened heart no longer listens and applies God's word. We become impervious to truth because we're self-consumed. This is what Jesus said in the, in the part we didn't read in the chapter as he's talking about the condition of our heart. He, he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6 in verses 14 and 15 here of Matthew 13. He says, indeed, their case, uh, in their case, prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive, for this people's heart has grown dull. So how's your heart today? A hard heart we hear, but we do not understand. We become confused and indifferent towards God. Ultimately, a hard heart results from saying one thing to God, no. Every time you and I say no to God, it would be just like the arteries around our heart becoming more and more clogged. It will cause it to die. But here's the good news. Every time you say yes, it opens up your heart again. So what do we need to do? We need to start saying yes to God more often. Well, the second ground beyond what happens with the, the hard path, the rocky ground reflects a shallow heart. Much of the terrain of the Middle East is limestone. And so what he's referring to here is not necessarily a mixture of, of small rocks and dirt, although there may have been some of, some of that. Most likely what it is, is it's a very little amount of soil on top of a great deal of limestone. So it'd be like pouring, you know, 10 centimeters of dirt here on, on the stage and trying to grow something. It would sprout up, but it wouldn't last very long because its roots can't penetrate the stone. Jesus describes the soil of these souls this way in verses 20 and 21. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while until tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, and immediately he falls away. The second bad surface, the, the rocky ground, is a person who's inwardly so shallow that outwardly he cannot withstand the testing of his faith. A shallow heart makes us susceptible to trials and difficulties. People will turn away. 
Chances are, like me, you know people who talked about Jesus, they, they seem to receive Jesus, but then a trial comes into their life. Maybe it's a struggle with sickness, maybe it's a broken relationship, maybe it's just a disappointment with God, and, and they seem to very quickly let go of everything that they say they have believed. Trials are designed to strengthen our faith and to prove our faith. The test of faith ultimately is faithfulness. A true believer must demonstrate perseverance. In fact, the writer of Hebrews gives us a warning about a shallow heart in chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Look what it says. Take care, brothers, lest there be any in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. See the, how it parallels exactly what Jesus is saying here in this parable? But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that no, excuse me, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. This is why we need one another to encourage each other. Because all of us are weak, especially when we're going through trials and suffering. So if you have someone that you know that's going through a difficult time, be incredibly intentional to be with them, to listen to them, to encourage them, to pray with them, to serve them, because they need your strength to help their faith grow deeper so that it doesn't fall away. A shallow heart is conflicted and is often impulsive. It responds more and more to the outward influence. A shallow heart says, yes, but. I'll say yes to God, but only so far. I'm only willing to follow him so far. It has an interest in God, but wants to determine the terms on which it will obey. It's a dangerous place for all of us. A shallow heart appears to have a desire for God, but there's not a root that enables it to really grow. Jesus, in explaining this in the middle portion of the scripture in verse 14, says, they see but do not perceive. And here's, here's, here's what that really means. All right, I want you to, to do an experiment for me. Would you just close your eyes? What do you see? Anyone? Anyone? Nothing. You see nothing. Actually, what you see is yourself. All you see is the inside of your eyelids. You see a bit of you. That's all we see. That's what he's saying here in this passage. They see, but they don't perceive. It doesn't connect with anything else that makes a difference in their life. Self gets in the way and can cause us to have a shallow heart. Trials produce endurance, but if we do not have a firm understanding of who we are in Christ Jesus and how much he truly loves us, our hearts will be shallow and unable to endure testing. The, the new song that we, we sang today, Build My Life, um, it includes this lyric, I will build my life upon your love, God's love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone and will not be shaken. It's reminding us how our faith can grow deep. 
in understanding how much God has done for us, how much he loves us, what he says about us, that enables the root of our faith to go deep into the soil of our heart rather than be shallow. The way to avoid having a shallow heart is to build your life upon the foundation of Christ's love for you. The third one is the thorns, the crowded heart. And Jesus describes the crowded heart this way in verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. Again, an inner condition of the heart means it's crowded out by other things. And the outward influence is that the stuff of this world chokes out the word of God. There are two dangers that occur here that we're very susceptible to. Number one is anxiety, fear. And number two is materialism or wealth. Jesus addressed these two things over and over again, especially it's one of the focal points of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters um, five, six, and seven. Anxiety and fear depress us away from God's word. And riches or materialism often impresses us away from God's word. Either way, it can push us away from what God wants to do in our life. When your and my mind is filled with anxiety or with the pursuit of comfort, it is a sure sign that our hearts are already getting crowded. God will not force his way into your heart or my heart, but in the same way, he will not share the space with idols, and we need to recognize that that's what they are. When I'm fearful, when I'm anxious, what I'm doing is saying, God, I want to be in control because I can't trust you. Now, there may be other factors at work. There may be medical things that are influencing it, and that's a a slightly different subject and and, uh, focus. But when the spiritual condition of our heart is anxiety, it's saying, God, I don't trust you, and so therefore I'm making an idol out of my anxiety where I'm trying to be in control, even though it's a facade. It doesn't really work. The same is true with riches. It becomes an idol where we're wanting the comforts and wealth of this world more than we want God himself and his gifts and his goodness. Sadly, I've seen this very, very recently in someone I I love dearly. They're a believer. They love God. They've taught me a great many things, but right now their heart is crowded. Anxiety and money has crowded out God more and more and more. And the sad thing is it is costing them the most important relationships in their life. God is warning us because when our heart gets crowded, everything else will be lost eventually. So we need to say, Lord, do a work in my heart. The soil of a crowded heart is divided and distracted. It wants to say yes, but it also says no. 
it will only go so far in obedience because the loves of this life of the immediate call to it louder than the love of Christ. And this may be the most disheartening of all the soils because it robs us. We come so close to having the joy and the peace and the things that God wants to offer us, but it's crowded out by anxiety, by materialism, by things of this world. Jesus in verse 15 says, for this people's heart has grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. God wants you to have an abundant life. But if we allow the things of this world to so crowd into our soul, into our hearts, it will take it over just like weeds take over a field. Growing up in an agricultural land, we always had a huge garden. And the thing I hated most was pulling weeds because it was my job from the time I was barely more than a toddler until I left home to weed the garden. I hated it. I still hate it spiritually, but I recognize the danger of the weeds in my own heart and life. A hard heart is easy prey for the enemy. A shallow heart can't endure suffering, and a crowded heart is filled with stuff. But there's a promise here a great promise that when our heart is open to God's work and God's word, it will bring forth an abundant harvest. And in Jesus' day, um, when you would spread the seed, which is really, this is a really, really cool thing. I don't know um, if you knew this or not, but the word we use, broadcast, which we use for media, um, for television, for radio, um, it's a way to spread the news. That is a picture that comes actually from the scripture and from a farming term because what he's talking about is the farmer would spread the seed like this. He'd have it in his hand and he would broadcast it. He would throw it out and it would go all over the area and land on the four different kinds of soil. And it's amazing that even in our modern day English, it picks up an understanding the use of broadcast goes back to the power of the word because that's what God's talking about here is how the word of God when it's spread out, depending upon how it's received, will determine what happens with it. Now, there's a backstory to this parable. If you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah, let me, let me show you the backstory very, very briefly, and then we're going we're gonna to look at the blessing, because this is, this is what God wants to produce in our life, and it's found in the backstory in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 through 13. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which it's sent. Now, what does he send his word forth. He's saying that when the word goes out, when the seed is scattered, I'm going to tell you exactly what it's going to produce in your life. This is the purpose that I'm giving you the word for. And what does he say? Verse 12, 
you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, which was a a wonderful, beautiful tree that provided shade and and incredible lumber. So many things were built from it. It was a blessing. Cypress is a picture of blessing, especially the cypresses of Lebanon. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Now, what he's saying here is these are the things I want the word of God to produce in your heart and my life. Number one, the promise he offers is joy. You see, when we allow God's word to really take root in us, the first result is that you and I will experience more and more and more joy. Now, here's the the great thing about joy that makes it different than happiness. Happiness is either on or off. It's either determined by things are going well in in my life and therefore I'm happy, Um, but it only reaches a certain level. And if things are not going well, then I'm less happy. But joy has no limits. It can grow deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper Because it's not based upon the circumstances. It is based upon God's word coming alive in us. That's the first promise of the good soil. The second one is peace. And he says, not only will I give you peace, but I'm going to go before you. I'm going to lead you in peace. The anxiety that you have, the fear that you have about the future, about what decisions you're going to make, about school, about work, about who you're going to marry, or about how you're going to get through this next week, all those things, I promise you, if you let my word take root in your life, I'm going to go before you, and you're going to feel my peace, because I will be with you. That's his promise. And then the next promise is rejoicing. We, we see this, um, this phrase where it says that, you know, how, how creation is going to rejoice. And he's making a word picture here that what I think really it does is it takes us back to the joy of youth. This, this week, I was driving my wife crazy. Um, it's one of my favorite pastimes, and I'm really, really good at it. Um, you probably are good at driving your spouse crazy, too. But I just, I just decided, you know, I have, Lord, my heart has gotten kind of hard, and, and I've been blocking out good things that you're doing in my life, and I'm not going to do that anymore. And so <laughs> we're out walking, and you know, the, the, Prague, the sidewalks in Prague are so great, you know, with all the different patterns in the cobblestones, you know, so I'm playing hopscotch. You know, I'm 55 years old, embarrassing my wife, playing hopscotch as we go down the sidewalk, because I decided, you know what? I am full of joy, and I don't care if people think I'm stupid. I'm happy. I'm joyful because God's doing something in my heart. So here's my assignment. You got the sidewalks. Just go for it. <laughs> Embarrass your spouse. And no one, some of you will never come back to church again because of that, but please forgive me. But let the joy out. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to have the same kind of zeal and fun and exuberance you have when you're little, so much so that everything in life is exciting, is a wonder. So much so that when you see the beauty of God's creation, 
you break forth in singing. And we have the promise that one day all the earth will, the rocks will cry out in exaltation and rejoicing over the Lord. That's his promise. And ultimately, the promise is that God's name will be known. He will be glorified. It shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. When God's word takes root in our life, it produces his glory. We accomplish the very thing that we've been created for. But for it to come about, my heart has to be softened. I want to close with some verses out of, uh, out of Hosea, but to really understand what is entails in, a, in the good soil of our heart, the key word is humble. A humble heart is one that's able to receive God's word and bring forth a harvest. The humble heart says, yes, Lord, let your will be done. A humble heart recognizes that apart from God, we're just dirt. He formed us out of the dust of the earth. He made us in his likeness, and then he breathed life into us, and we became living souls. And the truth is, I can't compare my dirt to your dirt because, no offense, but your dirt doesn't look any better than mine, and mine doesn't look any better than yours. It's just dirt. But when it's placed in God's hands, anything is possible. As I grew up surrounded by fields, I saw millions of bushels of corn and wheat and soybeans come out of those fields because God designed for the seeds to bring forth life. And the seed of his word does the same thing. He wants an abundant harvest to come out of us. And the way it happens is when our heart is like his, because his heart was humble. A humble heart is cultivated and fruitful. Humility lives, I am nothing, that God may be all. And I believe this, this virtue is one of the ones that is most honored in the scriptures and least pursued by believers. And perhaps it is one that is least preached by pastors. It's not easy to be humble. But it makes all the difference in our life. So how do we get there? Well, if we keep thinking about the picture of a field, the only way for our heart to be humbled is allow God to plow through the dirt of our heart, to turn over that which is hard, to uproot that which is crowded and to dig up the stones that keep us shallow. So here's how I want to put it into practice and it's simply the word ask. Ask God to soften your heart and that begins with A, acknowledge your need. The key to having God soften our heart is humility. Ask the Holy Spirit to plow the callous nature of your heart and reveal any area of idolatry, of selfishness and sin, and give it back to him. Another part of the backstory here that Jesus is alluding to in the Old Testament is found in Hosea chapter 10. It says this, so righteousness, or your translation may say, sow for yourselves seeds of righteousness so that you can reap the fruit of unfailing love. 
and break up your unplowed ground, your hard heart, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. But you have planted wickedness and you have reaped evil. You've eaten the fruit of deception because you depended on your own strength. You see, that's what we do. When I'm depending upon myself, my heart becomes hard. But when I allow God to remind me of who he is and humbly come before him, he opens up my heart and cultivates it so that it can grow forth and bring fruit. One of the great promises of Jesus is found in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am humble. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's a beautiful promise. And it is absolutely true. But one of the things we have to remember is that the purpose of a yoke is to pull a plow. Jesus' heart was humble. And he longs for the soil of your soul, of your heart, and of my heart to be plowed alongside of him, working together so that he can take God's word and bring forth an abundant harvest of joy, of peace, of rejoicing, of celebration, and of glory in your heart and life. So ask him to do that. Secondly, the S is seek God's presence. He says here in Hosea that we're to pray for rain. Pray that God will saturate our heart and our mind with his presence. And the best way I can encourage you to do that is to spend time in the Psalms. The Psalms will change your heart. And the last is the K, know God's promises. The seed is the word of God. Make a commitment to be in his word to memorize it, to meditate on it, to think about it as you go through your day and allow the seed of of a verse, of a phrase, of, of an idea in the scripture to sink deep in you and say, God, bring it to life in me and help me obey you because I want my life to be fruitful. Are you willing to ask God to cultivate the soil of your heart? with the plow of humility? If so, it may be painful for the moment, but it will result in indescribable joy and peace and celebration and God's glory. Heavenly Father, Lord, our hearts are before you. You see everything about us. You see the things in our life that tend to crowd out your word, the anxieties, the fears, the the concerns. You see the shallowness sometimes of our faith, the selfishness of our heart. Lord, would you do a work in us and change us today because we want to be like Jesus. Give us a humble heart. Enable us to draw close to you as you have promised You say that those who are prideful, you resist, but you raise up the humble. So Lord, we bow ourselves before you and say, have your way in our hearts and lives. 
change us today because we want our lives to show the fruit of who you are. We want the people around us to see that you are real and that you are alive. And that we're not just praying for them, but we want them to see a glimpse of who you really are because you gave your life for them. Oh, Lord, do a work in us now. Build our lives on the foundation of your love, on the foundation of your truth. Have your way in us, we pray. In Jesus' name.